we stopped at a Walmart in Chattanooga to get like groceries and stuff. And half oh, of way down yonder on the Chattanooga. It's not. It's the Chattahoochee, not the Chattanooga desk. <laughs> Whatever. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, whoever you may be listening. This is another beautiful installment of Matt and Dennis, Matt and Dennis podcast. My name is Matt Scrano, broadcasting from chillier central Michigan. I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, how are you today? I am lovely, Matt. Not chilly here. It was in the 70s here today. So it was looking nice, consistent 60s. Sun came out right back up to the 70s. So the shorts are still on. That is fantastic. I have to say I was out at the local uh, watering hole here in downtown uh, Lansing. The I'm shocked. Uh, the other day watching, I mean, you would be shocked, but it's not shocking because when the Giants play on Sunday, and I want to credit Lauren, um, my girlfriend that some may or may not know, she got me this brand new TV like last year and was like, because I was always going to the bar to watch Giants games because the TV was just so small. The quality was awful. So I was like, I'm not watching it on this. She got me this bigger TV so I could watch the Giants games. Wouldn't have to spend money on food and drinks at bars. And and uh, then when I got the this TV, I realized, oh, wait, I don't want to spend $400 on a Sunday ticket. And the only games I was going to get was uh, the Detroit Lions. And if the Lions aren't on, it's it's the Packers or it's the Chicago Bears and and then obviously Sunday, Monday night football, I can watch it here. Or Thursday night football, but um, wasn't willing to spend the money on Sunday ticket. So I have this nice TV, solid quality, but still have to go out and spend money on wings and beers and stuff like that to watch the Giants. But sounds optional. Could be that weird guy that orders water with a lemon. Maybe I'll eat later. It's it's one of those it's one of those one in Rome situations like you're not gonna go to a bar and not order wings or something so. I mean I'm not. Some people out there might be. Well, Dennis, that's your prerogative. I don't know what to tell you. That's my prerogative. We'll move on. I digress. Um, we'll get into football and obviously the New York Giants. You got their first win. We'll get into all that uh, very shortly. But um, let's let's cover our bases around our bases first. Uh, Dennis, there is a uh, World Series that, despite um, your and my uh, interest level, uh, is happening, regardless if we care or not. And that is uh, with the American League champion Tampa Bay Rays taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. One of those, both of those teams are very talented. I don't think anyone at the beginning of this shortened season would have, if if you came from the future and told them that it's going to be Tampa and the Dodgers. I don't think anyone would have necessarily been shocked if you were following baseball and following along uh, how two teams and their were, were, were going to do respectively, one of which was a favorite to win the World Series, one of which was not, but I don't think either of them are – I don't think it's shocking that either of them made it this far. Uh, game one starts tonight. I think it's uh, glass now for Tampa – and uh, not sure off the top of my head who's going. I think it's Kershaw. I think it's Kershaw. That would make sense that Kershaw is going for the Dodgers. But your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, I yes, I don't care that the World Series is going on. If the Yankees aren't remotely there, 
I don't watch. I, I, you know, I have it on now here in the background just because we were doing the podcast and it's easier to put this on than like a TV show that might distract me more. But I just, you know, there's, there's intrigue. I think if you're a baseball fan, I think you can watch this World Series and actually be entertained. The Dodgers are a very good baseball team. If you've watched baseball the last five years, you would know that. They've been in the World Series three of the last four. So, or the two of the last four? Three of the last four? Three they weren't the there last year. year. They lost the year before to Boston, lost the year before to L.A. What was the first three, one? Three of the last four. It was Boston. Lost to Boston, lost to Houston, weren't there last year. Was there one? Who was in there before Boston? 2010? No, uh, 2010. Uh, we'll back to 2016. Who won the World Series in 2016? I'll tell you in one second. Uh, this is live. Very live. riveting podcast. I'm so glad I brought this up. This You can tell we don't do our research on this show. But, but it also just, uh, it was, no, the, the Dodgers were not in the World Series in 2016. That was the Cubs and Indians. Ah, the Indians. Of course. All right, fine. So, two, so three, but still checks out three of the four last four years, including this year. So maybe they finally get off the snide and get a world series victory. I hope for that fan base at the same time, it'd be pretty funny just to maybe compare them to the 1990 Buffalo bills who just continued to get to the final game and just couldn't get it done. Uh, well, look, and I'll bring this up cause we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but this kind of just intrigued me. I have the pregame on. And of course, one of the questions right off the top, for the abundance of analysts they have from Frank Thomas, Dontrell Willis, Alex Rodriguez, and David Ortiz, are the Rays getting enough respect? And I, I just, I can't be, as a baseball fan, I think I can't be bothered with that question. Who at this point doesn't respect the Rays? You know what I mean? Like, I understand maybe you look at them and everyone's comparing them to the payroll. The Dodgers have literally two players that are making just over what the entire raise, uh, what's called salary cap is being paid. Garrett Cole alone this year made more than the entire raise payroll. So I, I get that you bring that up and there are a bunch of no-name guys, a bunch of young guys, a bunch of starting pitchers that are either from their system or they're able to get cheap in the off season or via trades. But I, I mean, I don't know. Do you see that sentence to me? The Rays, are they getting enough respect? I mean, why is this is this the conversation we're going to have? Because they're facing the Dodgers. Dodgers were expected to get here. At the same time, the Rays had the best record in the American League. They had the best run differential in the American League. So it's not like they were just doing it with pitching. Or it's not like they were they just had a better season and they didn't have as many injuries. They were scoring runs. And they're not getting enough respect. I, Asinine, in my opinion. Okay, so you're you're asking, you're not telling me they're not getting enough respect. They're asking the question on the show. They're discussing it. Yeah, I can hear I, them because it's muted, but I don't no, need their I don't need to know their answer. Not to not to be a cop out right now and and not give a, a answer one way or the other. I, I think their respect is warranted for for more or less. Like I, I think the Rays are getting the reason are the Rays getting as much respect going to the playoffs, say as the New York Yankees did, or say as the Dodgers are getting now, 
No, of course they're not. But that's that's warranted. The Yankees were the favorite going into the season. The Yankees healthier matched up better uh, against the Rays and the Rays against the Yankees. And going into this World Series before the first pitch is thrown tonight, the Dodgers match up not only better than the Tampa Bay Rays, but better than the Atlanta Braves, better than the New York Yankees, better than any team in baseball. That is why since before a pitch was thrown this season to before a pitch is thrown game one of the World Series, that has been a consistent, that the Los Angeles Dodgers are the favorites to win the World Series. Obviously, the Yankees were a close second to do that, and we always said them multiple times when the Yankees were doing really well this season, especially when the Yankees were doing very poorly this season, that the Yankees were the favorite to win the ALC or ALC East, AL East and go far in the playoffs. But if they didn't, and if there was a team to, to knock them out of the playoffs or a team that was more favorited or could uh, challenge them for uh, the AL East uh, divisional title, it would have been the Tampa Bay Rays. So when they did so, it wasn't a shock to, I think, baseball analysts, to you or myself. Um, but we get to this point, and, and I think the Rays have gotten – it's not this shocking thing. And, I mean, feel free, Dennis or our listeners, to point me in the direction where there is a baseball analyst or a sports talk show or talking head that is not – that is just mind-blown that the Rays beat the Yankees or that the Rays beat the Astros. We'll get into that in a second. But – I'm not shocked. I don't think you are based on what we've talked about. And I, I really don't think Rays fans are or anyone's really shocked. So when it's like, why not us, this, that, and the other, I don't buy into that. I don't think anyone is shocked based on what we've seen and based on what was projected from the Rays preseason, what we've seen this far. I think the Rays haven't gotten more respect than they deserve. I don't think they've gotten any less respect than they deserve. I think they have proven that they are capable of doing what most people that are tuned into the baseball world have said that they are doing. If you want to, if you're a, a Rays fan and you want to say that they're not getting respect because 99.999% of the baseball world, myself included, is going to give you maybe one, two wins in the series. If you want to call that a lack of respect, I'm not going to stop you. Go for it. But I think that prediction of Rays and Dodgers is pretty consistent with what we've seen through the whole season. I, I think the only way you could say that that's not as consistent is if you want to call into question the, the struggle the Dodgers had to go through to beat the Braves. And I want to touch on that as well, how both championship series were incredible. Um, but I think the Braves were a solid team too. I, I think it's a fair point to, for a lot of people to say that they didn't think the Dodgers would struggle as much as they did against Atlanta. But I think that's another conversation. Well, and it, I mean, we can go there too, just to recap it because yeah, they were great series. I didn't watch a single pitch of either one. Didn't do enough to garner my attention. Now, did I pay a little more attention here when the series was three, two on each side? Yes, I did but I still was not turning it on. I had other things going on, other things to watch. I was not going to turn on these two games in which I don't care about the outcome. I'll get the update on my phone and I'll see all the stats. I'm good to go. Uh, I will say that the Atlanta fan base, my deepest 
absolute deepest sympathies because I just can't imagine what you are going through. Yet again, and this is the Atlanta Braves, maybe more so than any other team you follow. We know of the Falcons' recent struggles. Arsenal has a flag that has flown anywhere a Falcons fan goes into the New England area of blowing that Super Bowl. And we've seen them blow multiple leads this season in the regular season. But the Atlanta Braves, for the past few years, have been one of the best teams in the National League. They've been the best team in the National League East, winning the division each of the last three seasons. Now they find they would get to the wild card round years prior. They'd get to the first round in the DS and lose or look terrible. The Cardinal series last year, go back and look at the stats of that series and look how the Cardinals just flat out embarrassed them from the get-go. This season, this team offensively has so many good, young, talented players. The pitching, it didn't really deliver in the postseason. The starters are there. The bullpen has kind of been a mess for the last couple of years. But it was fine this year. It was okay. It was, it was enough as long as you had leads. For them to blow this National League Championship Series, look, if you're going to blow a lead, I guess blow it to the best team in baseball. That's the Dodgers right now. But goodness gracious, this poor fan base. And when you, you can meet Braves fans from all over the South. It's not just an Atlanta team. Because when you talk to people, especially like our era, Matt, growing up, and obviously well before that, you didn't have games on – different channels all through that. You didn't have three different Foxes, ESPN carrying a ton of games. The Braves were the team of the South because they played on the TNT Superstations, whatever the hell it was called. So people from the Carolinas, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, parts of Florida probably are Braves fans. They have a pretty solid fan base, a pretty deep fan base. And I honestly just feel bad for them. Because I really like the Braves. And I like, look, Acuna Jr. is one of the most fun guys to watch in all of baseball. Freddie Freeman's an absolute boss. Absolute boss. And they just sadly couldn't get it, again, get it done again. And my heart kind of just aches for that fan base because they want a championship so badly. And I think the Braves are the best shot at it. Dennis, it sucked I, again. Dennis, I honestly didn't know that you had this heart. Maybe I don't know if you have like a. Sweet... I think maybe it's because I work with some people from the area. I was. I've, I've known people in the past that are Braves fans, or at least fans in that area, and that poor fan base, and most of whom are also Georgia Bulldog fans. They blew a national title game a couple of years ago. They just can't get over the hump. They had their butts romped this past weekend yet again by Alabama. I was just going to ask, do you have like a sweet thing down there in like Georgia, like down the, the in the land of Dixie where like, like she's having like a tough time or something? Georgia peaches. You're no, just I don't. For and... I'm just saying, you don't feel bad? If we're going to talk baseball. No, no. I, Why I don't, not? All Atlanta teams, as far as I'm concerned, can go kick rocks. I don't care about them. What did they ever do to you? Uh, well, the Atlanta Braves, uh, one of the oldest uh, Yankee rivalries, even though again, you we've I don't think this is a right, it's not a rivalry, it's not right now, but it, uh, I don't think a lot when of was it in the they late went to the World Series twice in the 90s in the late and lost 90s. in the late 90s, both times, uh, swept the, the second time. The, 
the Atlanta Falcons because I'm just happy that there's a team that looks more pathetic than the Giants. And my beloved Orlando City, who I know you don't care about, one of their biggest rivals is Atlanta United. But I digress. Um, I, I just want to shift uh, really quickly to the American. Go ahead. I didn't need a rebuttal or anything. I was just – I wanted to well, do that. Good. If I may, uh, shift over to the American League Championship Series very briefly. Um, I'm in a small apartment. The windows are, are thin here, so I don't want to be too loud. I don't want to make too much noise. But if uh, that were not the case, I would be doing the Stephen, my best impression of the Stephen A. Smith laughing uh, video that he does when the Dallas Cowboys lose, as he did this morning and last night. Um, for the poor Houston Astros, who came so close, I almost admire Tampa for giving them a bit of hope. Uh, Tampa obviously had a 3 Is that what they did? They gave him a bit of hope? They gave him a bit they of hope. They didn't leave every baseball fan in America sitting on the edge of their seats like, you sons. Dennis, that's interchangeable. They Dude, don't blow this. Dennis, that's 3-0? 3-0 lead? You're going to let him join an illustrious group that, that features is, only one other Major League Baseball team that will go unnamed? That is interchangeable. They did both of those things. They did everything you just mentioned, and they gave the Houston Astros a bit of hope. And let me tell you Your this. Your sphincter didn't get tight, Matt. You're lying. Oh, oh, of course it did. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if I was on the other side of this, I knew what was going to happen. And I can, and, and I knew that there was no danger of Houston making the world series as opposed to, I think it would have been more enjoyable and we could argue this, but it would make no sense in doing so. You can make an argument that it would have been just as, if not more entertaining of Tampa Bay sweeping the Astros and Tampa Bay taking a three, nothing lead giving them and their fans some hope, and then crushing it. I think that was just as good if the Rays would have just won game four. And it was no, you're absolutely right. It's better. It's not just as good. It's better. But for the fans that wanted Houston, the, I, yes, you're right. It was a, a – But that's like saying to Yankee fans, you just won 14-2. to two. Would you like your uh, hearts ripped out now or in four days' time? Right, of course. But um, that having been said, um, it couldn't have happened to a better team um, – I, I think all of baseball sighed a huge uh, – a breathed a huge sigh of relief that the Houston Astros are not going to the World Series. Uh, we don't have to worry about it. And we can only hope, as uh, our other co-host of the show, the coronavirus um, has pretty much ruined all the fun and uh, literally gave the Houston Astros a pass, as I've said multiple times, and I don't mean to make light – of this uh, illness and this virus because we know it's serious. But I don't think anyone was more pleased to not have fans in the stands this year and have everything get all bent out of shape and whacked about than it was the Houston Astros. So we can only hope that 2021, when the season rolls around, looks more – because I don't think people are forgetting this. And there will be some changes. I hope, I hope not either. There will be some changes to the Houston Astros lineup between now and then. But from what I can see, the majority of the quote-unquote troublemakers will still be intact on that team uh, come the 2021 season. So we can only hope as not just not Yankees fans, but as fans of the game, that they will get the reception that they have uh, so long earned. I agree. The only thing else I thought you were going to chime in there with some more uh, – no, I have nothing to say. We don't need to bring any light 
But I will say, as a, as a whole, between the NLCS, the Braves with a 3-1 lead, and the ALCS, Tampa with a 3-0 lead, both almost blew it, and it almost came down to Dodgers-Astros, which would have also been probably a lot more entertaining than the current series that's about to start. Um, and I will but, say this. You know that Dodger fans wanted that. They wanted that Astros comeback. Because that was us playing the Rays, wanting the Astros in the ALCS, hoping that I we think, would reach the ALCS so that we could be the ones to knock them out. Because I think yeah, as, no. as much as we went through, we knocked out by them in the ALCS in that season. They lost, they beat the Dodgers in that world series. So Dodger fans have just as much of a gripe as Yankee fans. Dennis, I would say yes and no to that. And this I don't is understand just, where the no comes from. This is my, and I will, I will explain it to you. And uh, they told you we're going to find something to debate about. This is how these shows just go off the rail. And yep. they're become too long. No, so far, no one's complained yet. So, let it roll. My my personal opinion: why when when it became quickly evident that the Yankees had a probably a 50-50 chance of beating the Rays and then playing the Astros in the ALCS, I was probably I'd say more so pumped to like all we got to do is hold on to this one nothing Aaron Judge uh, lead from this Aaron Judge solo home run, and we'll get revenge on the Astros. I'd say more of me was that thought process. Here we go. We're going to get revenge, go to the World Series. Let's do this. But I think a large part of me at the same time was like, great, we go play the Astros. Crap. I know how the Yankees are pitching. I know how the Yankees are offensively. I don't know if I can take playing these guys and losing to them again. The year they were supposed to be ridiculed, the year after they got caught cheating, I don't think my heart could take losing to them again. So I would have to imagine that there is some group of Dodgers fans out there that thought the same thing. How amazing it would be to beat the Astros, get revenge in the World Series. But can you imagine if the Dodgers lost the World Series again to the Houston Astros, how terrible that would have been? I don't think that's an unreasonable emotion to be having. It, It would be catastrophic. So Also for the rest of the league, like diehard baseball fans. Really, Yankees again? Right. Just keep them out of the World Series. Someone else has to do your dirty work, or they somehow find a way to win. But alas, they're out, and we can just go on not really caring, at least either of us, about uh, what happens in this World Series. For what Absolutely. it's worth, for what it's worth, uh, I go with uh, one of the predictions I saw of someone predicting this on Twitter like four or five years ago. Um, I do think the Dodgers win the World Series. I think the Rays get two games. I think the Dodgers one and six. Rays in seven. All right. I've been I, wrong before. Not yeah, afraid to be wrong again. You've been wrong nine <laughs> out of ten times on this show. <laughs> so, I I, have. so I have the Dodgers. But I'm due. I'm due. Dennis has the Dodgers in seven. No, I have the Rays in seven. Get it right. Rays in seven. Excuse me. Um, Dennis, shall we, shall we move on? Do you want to talk any college football? There were some good games this weekend. I'll, if you want the floor, I'll let you take it. No, I mean, I will say that the Bama Georgia game nearly doubled or close to tripled whatever the audience size was for CBS's biggest marquee matchup last year, which was Notre Dame, Georgia, at least for this part of the season. They judge it – they don't judge it basically like the SEC championship games on 
CBS. Of course, it's going to get more viewers. They have bowl games on CBS. Those are going to get more viewers. But in this chunk of the season, the biggest like viewership was uh, Georgia Notre Dame last year. Bama Georgia nearly tripled that. So just when college football ratings were sort of somewhat taking, people showed if you put two top five teams, storied programs, a lot on the line, people are going to watch. And it didn't disappoint. It was a good game until Bama eventually ran away with it, which they're going to. Bama's, I don't know how you stop Alabama's offense. They're too, they're too quick. Not, I mean, Najee Harris is already, he already looks NFL ready. I don't know where Alabama continues to find these running backs. If we go back year after year, they have some that are currently dominating in the NFL. One, Derrick Henry, who ran for over 200 yards again. Uh, that's just one. But yeah, Najee Harris, remember that name. He's only a sophomore too. And then in the receiving core, Jalen Waddell is a speed burst. Devontae Smith is going to be an absolute stud in the NFL next year when he gets there. And Mac Jones, who was supposed to be the quote-unquote bridge from Tua Tungvaloa to whoever their next guy is going to be, is a freaking Heisman contender. So I don't know how they keep doing it. But just in front of them is another team that nobody can stop, and that's Clemson. Because Trevor Lawrence decided to throw six touchdown passes in the first half, did throw an interception, but then came right back down the field and threw another touchdown pass. So I, yeah. the, those are the two teams. It's them way up here everybody else and that's like number three in the country which currently is your your boys Notre Dame fighting Irish although they just beat Louisville 12 to 7 so I'm not really confident in Notre Dame's abilities at the moment they can't score I don't know I was, what's going on there I was Ian Book, three-year starter dude can't get it in the end zone I was waiting for you to bring that one up but unbelievable top three no confidence at all they're probably gonna lose to Pitt this weekend they'll get a little tick up number three in the country they'll probably lose to Pitt on Saturday Pitt plays everybody tough I'm calling it now but yeah, that's it's college. There's not enough parity. That's its biggest problem. There's a couple of teams just past Alabama Clemson that can probably win the national title because anyone can beat anyone on any any given day. But yeah, it's it's those two teams. When those two teams inevitably meet in January, that'll be the game to watch. That's all I got to say about that. Dennis, I think you'd actually be proud of me. I, I think I watched more college football. Uh this past weekend than I have. Uh, maybe that's because there are just less games. But yeah, I was wondering when you would bring up the uh, Notre Dame game, 12-7 over Louisville, Notre Dame, third in the country. And one of the uh, least exciting games I've watched uh, over the weekend. And actually, I will be in Louisville spending the evening there tomorrow night. Uh, Lovely place. Going to go see Papa John's Arena? I've, I've actually been to Louisville plenty of times. I've, I've been to the stadium. I'm going to be just north of the campus. I've never been to Papa John's Arena. But, um, yeah, you already went through. Actually, did they rename that? Um, it's the yeah, KFC. Papa got a little uh, naughty. The KFC Young Center, I believe. Is that what it's called now? Yeah. No, it's I, not. Yeah. Let me just – here. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's the KFC Young Center. The colonel had to throw that in there? It was the KFC Yum Center at some point. Yep, that is it, the KFC Yum Center. Did he ask for the finger-looking-good-center, and they were like, come on, Colonel. No, there's the finger-looking-good-section, though. Uh, no, really? No, I made that up. That'd be a good uh, idea. But anyways, Dennis, you I get think – a complimentary wet nap when you go to that section. I'm going to talk two things college football really quick because you know how much I love college football. Uh, one, out of all the big games, out of all the relevant games that meant the most, you and I talked at length last week about North Carolina. One reason I wanted to talk about length or talk at length about North Carolina was because the last game I saw last year 
was Temple's bowl game in the military bowl in Annapolis, the home of Navy. Like, you guys look good. Carolina, where we got absolutely demolished. And I was like, this team is better than they've gotten credit for. I think they bounced in and out of the rate, uh, the rankings last year. They uh, played in Tallahassee as a five seed against the Florida state Seminoles. And how do you, Florida state pretty much had control of this game, the majority. And I'm still, from the get go from the get go. And I'm still kind of puzzled at this point, how North Carolina rose to a fifth ranking as fast as they did. I'm not going to say they didn't deserve it, but I was, well, I mean, they started the season inside the top 15 and then when you start, so the rankings well, came I, out, I, they, I, they, they, they included the PAC 12 and big 10 when they canceled and week two of the season started, you take those two conferences out. Everybody moves up forward. So that, that's helped. That. And I understand. And they have beaten ranked teams along the way this year. Very convincingly, too. And I understand that. But to be uh, – That's just some information for you. To be fifth ranked in the country, North Carolina, based off of the teams they they had, had beaten in the past, I, I still don't know if a number five ranking or the start that they had in the top 15 before the season even started – I don't know if that was necessarily uh, warranted or if I would have put them there. Maybe would you have put them there? Yeah, where they were to start the season is where I would have put them there. Okay, agreed. They, they got recognition and people knew this team was up and coming. They were ready to go. Sam Howell, their quarterback, is only a sophomore. He was a freshman last year. Set all sorts of ACC records for them and North Carolina records as a freshman. So he had no, a I'm, tremendous amount of hype coming into this season. I, I so Them not, starting the year undefeated and then some other teams losing along the way I think, I think North Carolina is going to be relevant for years to come and one of the best teams in the ACC. I, I don't doubt that. But they went up against, a, I think, the, a Florida State team that could arguably be put up there with some of the ranked teams that they played, even though Florida State is obviously uh, projected to have a down year. And Florida State had control of that the entire uh, game. And now North Carolina is bumped back down to a 14. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you, honestly, who they play uh, next. I don't know if you know that off the top of your head. But um, the next point I was going to make, and of course, Syracuse, maybe. I'll get up. Um, but if uh, you know, I'm kind of a homer when it comes to this, and laugh at me all you want. But the most entertaining game, bar none, out of college football the last weekend came from the American Conference. There is no doubt about it. Uh, UCF, who was, you know, how UCF is with their inferiority complex, where they think they should be ranked number one year in and year out. UCF was making a run for the top five when they got brought back down to reality by Tulsa. And then again, in a game in Memphis that they had complete unbelievable game, the entire game until the end when Memphis comes back, takes a lead 50 49 with about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. And then UCF goes right back down the field, which is not shocking to anyone. And then misses the field. It was an ugly field goal. It wasn't even like it was close. You knew the second that went up. I don't know if it was tipped or not. But Memphis, who is also a very talented team, I would not be shocked if you see them in the top 25. Memphis beats UCF by a score of 50 to 49. Also, fun note, uh, I'll be recording the episode of Matt and Dennis later this week from the friendly confines of Memphis, Tennessee, as I will be at the Temple Memphis game, a uh, limited capacity. Very entertaining. Um, but the other games, uh, Dennis, we talked about uh, the games that were going on Friday night, and you reminded oh. me that there were some. Clemson plays Syracuse, by the way. They play it. North Carolina plays NC State. Okay, and NC State beat Duke. Right. So 
that could be a uh, that's a big game and rivalry game. And uh, SMU, who was uh, ranked, I believe, fifteenth at the time. Um, yeah, they're playing uh, another beat, ranked team. Cincinnati. Cincinnati just got bumped out of the top ten, I think, because they didn't. They were they didn't play last week because of COVID. They were at eight, I think. I think now they're eleven, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, SMU uh, beat Tulane uh, 37-34 in overtime, which was a really fun game for a Friday. The game after that, now Andrew Shell is a dude, man. Uh, where BYU beat Houston, but and also not that this really matters because Temple is kind of bad this year. I'll be one of the first to admit it. Um, but they had a very fun back and forth game that came down to the wire where they beat South Florida at home 39 to 37. So I think the American for what it's worth, had the most entertaining games of college football uh, this weekend. That's the most you'll hear me talk about college football on this show. I would agree. And also to the, and this is, you know, from people that are college football fans, it's the group of five. And for anyone that doesn't understand, we've said that before and we'll say it again. That's the ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, SEC. Those five conferences, those are the moneymakers. It's where all the teams, whatever. The group of five is everybody else, but there is a, clear gap with the American conference and the rest of the conferences, a little respect for the mountain West. Um, occasionally the Sunbelt, Sunbelt's had a couple of teams too currently that are ranked, but at different points this season, they've had some teams ranked, but yeah, it's, it's the American. It's the battle. They had it last year with Memphis, SMU, Cincinnati, UCF. Those four teams can rival just about anybody else outside of your dominance, like an Alabama, a Clemson and Ohio state. But almost anybody else in any other conference, any given Saturday, those four teams can go toe-to-toe with anybody else. And, Dennis, I, I think the other thing is, and, and, again, I always mention how you're more well-versed in college and you're a bigger fan of it, obviously, than I am. I think the other thing about the American is someone that doesn't just watch Temple football. I watch all the American games. Thank you, ESPN+, Plus, because I'm able to watch – the majority of them and, and some are on Thursdays, a lot of them obviously on Saturdays. And, but I think the other thing about the American, and you mentioned this when we just started talking about college football tonight, you said essentially any given Saturday, anyone can beat anyone. I think the American is, that is more prevalent in the American. And I would argue than any conference in college football where the teams in the American can literally eat their own. And I think you see some of the best teams in college football, like UCF, like Cincinnati, um, like Memphis, go down to the bottom half of the conference year after year after year, because I don't think that that kind of level of competitiveness is, is really prevalent in the majority of other conferences once you get past the top three or four teams. I'd, I'd make an argument for the SEC. That's about it. Yeah, I was about, there, there might be some bias there, but I don't think there's many conferences where the bottom half of a conference. Well, this is, and that's the issue the American has had is, of course, UCF, who crowned themselves national champions in 2017. Why not, I guess, because they were undefeated and didn't get a real shot. The American teams, the group of five teams, are not going to get a real shot at the college football playoff. No, they're not going to value who they play. They need a year like this year where Cincinnati's really good. Memphis is pretty good. SMU is good. UCF has shown that they're pretty good, at very least pretty good. The issue is that none of those teams have been able to find a year where there's multiple teams who are really good and then have unblemished records, where they beat all of those teams, where they don't slip up against other teams like 
Temple, who could score some points on any given Saturday. Tulsa's been one of those teams that have give, given people trouble. So it's just tough where you need to go undefeated, and at the same time, you need other teams in your league that are really good and that you hopefully embarrass on your way to an undefeated record. Then maybe people will start talking about you, but until then, come January, they're not going to talk about you. And it's unfortunate. And unfortunate because a year like last year, we had three teams with two or less, two or fewer losses. Only one of them is going to win your conference, thus one of them being in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's what happened. All right. Well, um, that was, again, probably the longest you'll hear me talk about college football. Uh, a lot more action this weekend. I don't know. Big Ten comes back this weekend. Pac-12 soon after that. Maction. We're going to have football every night of the week, baby. Hashtag Maction. And as I said, I will be uh, down in Memphis. So I know we have a strong listener base in Memphis. So if uh, you see me on, if you see me down there in Graceland uh, or down on, down on Beale Street, feel free to buy me a beverage. And Because uh, Matt's poor. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the cost of a PVR is down there in Memphis. Take your right. finest, cheapest pilsner, please. All right. Good old shot of whiskey. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'll be at the Temple Memphis game. Jagermeister, you weirdo. Which is a, an 11 a.m. game because it's central time. So, What game? Temple Memphis. Oh, yeah. yeah. The South has complained about this for years. No That's more good. noon kickoffs. And we're like, what's wrong with noon kickoffs? Because it's 11 o'clock for those poor saps in Alabama and such. But yeah, you want to talk? Uh, yeah. Anywho, terrible uh, NFL team we're fans of. Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah. All right. So you, let, let's go. We'll go Giants. We'll go Giants first. Then we'll we'll dabble. We'll see in the how much time we have. Yeah. Go ahead. Dabble into the rest of the NFL and lead into our. Picks. You want to gloat? Well, no. We, we'll do our picks on, on the next episode. But yeah. um, yes, Dennis, I would love to gloat. There you go. Um, Get on your soapbox. Tell us all how you feel. As I expected. And I had a very good feeling. And my pixel lead on Dennis increases once again. The New York football giants have a win. Go one and five. They beat, don't get me wrong, a very bad uh, Washington football team. But there were things to be proud of. The giants are also very bad. The giants are depleted, hence making them worse. Um, but congratulations to the giants on a win. I, I, from, from watching them on the sidelines, from seeing some videos from locker rooms, post-game interviews, I can see how much this meant to them. I can see uh, in Daniel Jones and the team presenting the game ball later on to head coach Joe Judge. Congrats to him on his first win. I mean, regardless if you are going to be the best team in football or the worst team in football, that first win has to feel good. And if only for a small period of time, and Dennis – Obviously, and I joke about how much we reference our group chat because then I reference how much we reference our group chat. Our group chat went up in flames uh, in the immediate uh, moments and hours uh, following this game. I know you don't feel this way, but as a actual good fan of the New York Giants, just to know we had a win, to forget the standings for a second, to just know that they had won, you and I feel completely different on this. But it was a damn good feeling. There was a lot of bad, some good. But the matter of fact is, and we'll talk Giants first, and then we'll move on to this. The matter of fact, as we talk tonight, is that the Giants play a game 
in South Philadelphia Thursday night against the hated Philadelphia Eagles, and the Giants could very well be first place in the division. Six weeks in, or seven weeks in, excuse me, with two wins. That is a possibility, and it makes me all tingly inside. Dennis, the floor is yours for all these things I'm going to disagree with in five seconds. Before I go and make my point, I have to understand a little tiebreaker here. If the Giants were to win Thursday, that's two division wins for them. Do the Cowboys only have one division win? The Cowboys, I don't believe, have. Or are they just? Oh, they have one division win. They're against us. Are they yes. only one and up? Correct. Yes. Okay, so de facto Giants tiebreaker with the two wins, I'm assuming. Fact or, check. Or does it go to Dallas because they have no losses? You know what I mean? Fact checking now. Uh, Dallas has one uh, divisional win and no yeah, losses. Giants. The Eagles do not. The only team that does not have a divisional win is the Eagles. That's a shame. Yeah, I hate to see it. <laughs> uh, all right. I Yeah. And we talked about this on last week's episode, which your nonsense of, I guess I can't, I can't even call it nonsense because it's completely possible, completely possible that Thursday night at around 11, 11, 15, the Giants might be leading, quote unquote, leading the division, which is just mind boggling as Matt makes gestures with his hands. Use your imagination for what he was, what he was doing. Uh, Look, I'll say I'll start with this, and I texted this. Happy for Joe Judge, extremely happy to get the monkey off your back to get that first NFL win. It's massive. It's huge. No matter when you do it in the season, no matter how you do it, you do it. And yes, that video you sent me with the players in the locker room, Daniel Jones giving the game ball to Joe Judge. It sounds sappy and weird and stupid, and it kind of is. But at the same time, all that video shows is culture. That's what that video shows. It shows that this team, as bad as they are, they haven't really showed any quit at any game so far this season. They didn't show quit in this one, even though they nearly blew it. And I'll get to that. But they're fighting for Joe Judge. They're, and I think Joe Judge, is, whatever he's done in the brief offseason they had and during the first, say, six weeks now of the season – has earned their trust, respect, and, you know, hopefully is the coach for a very long time. That's what we hope for. Otherwise, it's going to be bad news bears once again in the Meadowlands. But now I'm going to go to the other side of the teeter-totter. The one, before, the one that is holding the before, side I'm currently talking about on, straight up in the air. Hold on. Before, before we just get past this, I want to just touch one more time on, on the Joe Judge thing. I think – and again – I. As Giants fans, and, and me specifically, I always talk about the, the difference of having a good team that underperforms and plays really poorly, and I talk about a team that just doesn't have the talent. Giants have always said this isn't a cop-out. This is an excuse as the Giants don't have the talent where they need the talent. They have talent. Don't get me wrong. There is talent there, but there's not enough talent in the places where we desperately need the talent. And Joe Judge is thrown into a nearly impossible situation. And it's not like Joe Judge was thrown into a crappy situation out in Carolina or Arizona or Minnesota. Joe Judge was thrown into the biggest city in the world and a city that demands excellence across all sports teams that has not seen it in over 10 years now. 
which is an eternity in New York sports. We know we've been fortunate to see two giant Super Bowls as diehard Giants fans. That is more than many people can say. But he's thrown into this nearly impossible situation. And within weeks of, like you mentioned, this brief offseason, the, the New York media already starts coming out with these unsubstantiated claims. Uh-oh, rumor has it, Joe Judge, before they play a game, already lost the locker room. Uh, he's making Daniel Jones run laps. Oh, this is the worst thing you can do. Why would you do this to your veteran guys? Like the, the team's not there. And and I'm like, part of me is like, well, yeah, if it gets to that point, sure, that could be concerning. But the other part is like, we've dealt with this, excuse me, BS long enough. Make your stars run laps. Like they're getting paid millions of dollars to screw up week, week in and week out, make them run laps. And then all these rumors continue, these, these news reports continued. Then you see the video of him jumping in the mud to get the fumble and the team's chanting his name in circles around him a week after these reports come out. Then you see just next to the worst product you can see on the field and an 0-5 record, and you see the whole team huddled around him going nuts, clapping, patting him on the back. Even before the game ball, before Daniel Jones handed the game ball, you see, and, and I get it, this, like, well, there's a guy patting him on the back, like big, big deal, big whoop. He's on the sideline. You can see line by all the coaching staff, all of the players coming up to him one by one by one, patting him on the back, trying to give him a hug to celebrate that win. I said when that, when that video came out of him doing the fumble exercise, that didn't look like someone that lost the locker room. And for a team to be as bad as they are, to show so many, so few bright spots as there have been, and to go nearly six weeks, to go six weeks into the season without a game, without a win under your belt, and to see that on the sidelines, see it in the locker room, I think speaks volumes about Joe Judge and the culture in that locker room with the players and coaches. I can only hope that this goes farther than that. But I don't really remember seeing that energy with with McAdoo, with with Pat Shermer. I could be wrong. This could all be optics. I don't know. But that is, you mentioned the culture. I think that goes a long way towards progress in this team. And that was awesome to see. Yeah. And I look, and it's also, it's a bunch of younger guys, a lot of guys that have been drafted the last couple of years, a lot of guys that were cast aside and now trying to make their way back into the NFL and look at our defense, like guys like Logan Ryan, who I thought had a hell of a game all over the field on Sunday. That's a guy who wasn't on an NFL roster when the Giants picked him up. So it's guys trying to earn their keep in this league continuously. Those are good guys to have on your team. Not the guys where, where Jerry Reese is just going to put patches all over the defense and get all these studs, all these prima donnas. They're going to play for Ben McAdoo. The Giants are going to win 11 games. They're going to go to the playoffs. And then we're going to have a boat trip and it's just going to be a catastrophe and we're just going to continue to sink for the next six years. But I digress. Boat trip. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Let's wear jeans and no shirts and work boots. That's what you wear on a boat. Come on. Guys. You don't do that? No, I don't even own work boots. <laughs> I am not a man. Anyway. Positives to be taken. Sure. First win. Positives for Joe Judge. Sure. Here's my issue. Giants could have very easily lost that football game. Should have. 
lost that football game. Look, the Redskins are not a good team. We will both admit that. They came in at one and five. So they have as little business as we do winning a football game at this point. They're not even playing with their top overall quarterback. They're playing with Kyle Allen, who only has this job because of what he did last year filling in for an injured Cam Newton. They're not littered with weapons all over offensively. Now, I did say the Reds, the Washington football team's pass rush could get after the Giants, and they did. Allen was all over the field. That dude, uh, was it not Pert? Matt Pert. Not, well, Matt Pert for the Giants, but there was a guy on – I forget what his last name was. Either way, it was a defensive tackle. And then, of course, throwing Kerrigan and Chase Young. They did a solid job trying to attack Daniel Jones. At the same time, though – Devontae Freeman, I thought, even had a better game than what we've seen. For some reason, now, holes are starting to open up. Is part of that because our first overall pick, uh, Andrew Thomas, was benched because of being late to a meeting. And even though he started the game, I don't know if we'll ever get an explanation on that. If he was late, why would he be starting? Shouldn't the punishment to not be to not start and then give us a clear explanation as to why he's not in? I think there might be some underlying issues there. Maybe. Maybe I'm just starting rumors. But look, I watched that Washington team go up and down the field just as much and just as easily as we did at times. And that final drive that they had, if not for Riverboat Run, gambling once again, going for two. No business going for two. No business. But the issue is they're one in five. What are they playing for? Absolutely nothing. So let's give our fan base. Why is this so funny to you? It's literally his nickname. (laughs) You've never heard of Riverboat Ron? Google it. It's all over the place. He's a gambler. Not like an act, but just gambling in the situation. So let's give our fan base some hope. Let's win this game. We just drove down the field, scored a touchdown. We shouldn't have scored. But again, Giants coming up real clutch late in the game. And then a two-point... Mr. Irrelevant picking the ball up, running in the end zone, and now he's injured. And look, a two-point conversion where the play was pretty much botched from the start, so that's always a plus. And the Giants do a good enough job in pass coverage where Allen really has no one to throw to, so they get a one-point win. I'm sorry. I'm happy for Joe Judge, but that's it. I'm happy for Joe Judge finally getting an NFL win. Huge accomplishment for any head coach, no matter how long they're employed at that position. Huge accomplishment. Even if you're an intern head coach, big time account accomplishment. Look what the Falcons did playing the week after when their head coach, Dan Quinn goes down, we're going to play now for our interim head coach. And they put a whooping on Minnesota. On Minnesota. Torres Jones came to play. That's time. That's on, on, you're making it sound like they were playing like a top tier. They're, they're playing Minnesota has been having an awful year. The Falcons look really good. Did they not? Scoring at will. Don't, Dennis, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> Somehow held a talented Vikings team. Dennis, any points. Dennis, except for I Justin picked, Jefferson, but he's, he, I told you he's going to be a stud. I picked the Falcons like three or four weeks in a row uh, to win games. And trust me, you don't need to tell me how good the Falcons could I'm be. Just, I'm just saying that, that you can bring that argument up is they're just going to play for their guys. So we're going to continue. This is a division rival. There are a lot of guys on this team who might be new. But there are guys on this team that know that this is a rivalry. It's a division opponent. You got to come up. You got to be up for these games. I mean, when it's it comes a one to one point win, because, and I mean, 
When it comes to Atlanta, you might be right, but I'm going to need to see more because I'm still frustrated that I put so much confidence in how good. No, I'm not. I'm not set like for Atlanta. Like, I'm just. I'm back on the Giants now. Like, well, here, let me, let me, let me. We didn't. We we didn't even have any. Like, just taking the lead late wasn't easy. Let me here. Let me let me jump back in. Um, and a lot of people, not just you, a lot of people are saying, "Well, hey, when's a win?" it got very ugly and I am not necessarily jumping around the house or the apartment celebrating it, but a win's a win. I, I'm not one of those people. I, I, I was very excited about this win and I know and, you were. and I'll tell you why. Well, one, because it was a win and you mentioned as do many other people, uh, it was a win that the giants probably that the giant, not probably the Giants shouldn't have had. And I think a reason why I kind of ignore that or block an ear to, to people saying that, is because there were a lot of and and you and other fans in our giant circle criticize me all the time at trying to find these positives and this light that just doesn't exist. And I'm not afraid to criticize the Giants when they deserve criticism. That you know me long enough. I, I can criticize the Giants day in, day out if I need to. Very true. But in this situation, the defense, when the when the Giants get this break, Tay Crowder runs the ball in. Washington fumbles the ball in a garbage fumble by the Washington football team. We knew, and it's the Giants Washington, that these teams are both terrible. I'm not saying the Giants are good and Washington's bad or the Giants beat this Washington team. That oh my goodness, who would have thought? Not saying that at all. Didn't say that in the prediction. Didn't say not saying that now. But those uh, uh, those fumble recoveries for touchdowns, those two point conversions that are don't happen. Tell me in this year or any year that we can remember in recent memory, does that break ever go the Giants' way? Ever. And I don't. So that's the positive you're taking? No, no. I'm just saying that that's not a positive I'm taking. There are there are other positives. What I'm saying is when it's the when when we look at it from the lens of the Giants were about to blow this game and and they they don't deserve to win. I'm saying the Giants have lost just as many, if not more. Actually, no, a lot more games for crappy situations and breaks that wouldn't have gone their way. So as a garbage team that's just looking for anything to be happy about, I can't get mad when it's a fumble recovery for a touchdown, which never happens to us. A two-point conversion that we can't make any two-point conversions to save our lives, the Giants or my Temple Owls. And Daniel Jones gets his his weekly uh, turnover which, to be honest with you, he should not have thrown at all, obviously. And it was a great play regardless. But how are you saying that that ball is in bounds when you're taking five minutes to review it and his elbow is visibly out? Well, that's the one break, yeah. And with both, not even both, all three announcers basically saying, hey, his elbow's on the – it looks like it lands in the white. They're probably going to reverse this. You have your so-called – rules expert uh which was it blandino or was it who was on the was it pereira i think it was blandino i think it was blandino saying yeah it looks like he lands on the white they're gonna call it back and after moments and moments of moments of deliberation finally coming out play stands okay great but at the same time why is he throwing that football look hell of a catch that's fine but and this is again where I'm looking at this, great, positive. 
Giants won. That's cool. I'm never just going to sit. I'm never going to be completely upset that the Giants won. I know that I'm, I was tanked for Trevor from basically after week two of watching this abysmal team, but I'm still rooting for wins. But when I see a win like this and I just see Daniel Jones again, let's be honest, outside of his 40 yard run, which apparently is the longest year running play from scrimmage the Giants have this year. That's not good. <laughs> but outside of that, I'm not seeing any positives here. I'm now even more worried for Darius Slayton's health. And it begs to question, what is Jason Garrett doing to get Slayton more involved? Because I think we're to the point that he has proven Jones needs to be looking at him from the get-go on every single play, doing things to get him open so that Daniel Jones can throw him the ball eight to 10 times a game minimum. And hopefully he's able to acquire six, seven catches in the process. I think he's becoming that good because there are moments where Daniel Jones and the Giants need a play and Darius Slayton is the one to make the catch downfield. Not Golden Tate, who for whatever reason is lining up in the slot and just invisible, except for his one catch that kept his 122 catch streak or whatever the hell it was going. Where is he? He's supposed to be the Sterling Shepherd of this offense. That's another guy we don't even have to talk about because nobody knows where the hell he is. Well, well but Golden Tate. And then Evan Ingram, yet again, Evan Ingram. Who, are, who is guarding Evan Ingram that he can't get behind this defense? It, it's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, and I just... Golden Tate, I've, I've dropped Golden Tate uh, because I gave him enough chances. Um, I, I figured, like you were saying, with Sterling Shepard out, Golden Tate would really get some good action. That never happened. Um, Darius Slayton is a, a bit beat up. Um, it sounds like he'll play Thursday, but it also sounds like um, Sterling Shepard is going to play on Thursday. He practiced. The goal is to have him play Thursday. So we will see. I've never had turf foot or turf toe before. I don't know it. And again, we're not professional athletes. We've never had these injuries or how nagging and lingering they can be. And I hear that it's a terrible injury to have, especially as a guy who you're literally running. That's what your job is. But Slayton, I don't know if I would rush him back this week. As much as I know the Giants need him, and again, this is a winnable game. I can't even say that. Look, it's a winnable game on paper maybe, but the way the Eagles have been playing, they almost beat Baltimore. Carson Wentz is doing everything humanly possible back there to but try also, and lead his team to a victory. I, I can't really fault what Carson Wentz also, is doing right now. But also half of the game was awful. The majority of their games have been awful, and you're talking Oh, they have started about, tremendously and, uh, bad. But now you're talking about – the Eagles team playing the Giants without Miles Sanders, without Zach Ertz, and still. So this is what I mean on paper, but I'm seeing what the Eagles are doing in games, and they look a little more competitive than we do. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I completely, and we'll, we'll go into our picks, but just a preview. I, I don't, I still pick the Eagles to win this. Um, uh, spoiler alert. That's actually true. We do have to make one pick tonight because the Giants always count. If we're not going to do a show till Friday, yeah, because the Giants uh, are playing, one you don't pick, want to end. If I can just one, one more time before we run away from the, the Giants-Washington uh, football team win, I'd like to say this again. You mentioned him very briefly. Devontae Freeman looks like someone that we might drop Deion Lewis for to keep him around next year. And if we can get Saquon back, get Saquon healthy, 
and we we've been trying at this for years get the o-line to get better which might look like i mean disciplinary late to a meeting on time to a meeting whatever andrew thomas has looked garbage he has looked awful regardless if he's being benched for disciplinary reasons or play either way matt pert got his chance and i would be shocked if Matt Pert doesn't get another opportunity in Philadelphia Thursday night. I think he deserves it. I'd have to go and, back and like look at the actual stats of what he did or if he was beat on certain plays, but for the Giants to run the ball fairly consistently, yeah. it's not like we got any big chunks of yardage, but they were able to run the ball well enough. And again, that was the most another disappointing factor with the Giants. We had long sustaining drives running the football, and then Daniel Jones, of course, throws an air pass and an interception, and oh my gosh, you know. No, I, I, we, I, we, we lose out on an opportunity to get the ball in the end zone, but I, I would be able to, if Matt Pert does not play a significant amount of time in Philly Thursday night, I would be surprised if the giants don't feed Freeman the ball more often. And just to look at next year. And, and we talked about it and I was kind of wrong to an extent because I was pleasantly surprised that when Freeman had the opportunity that he didn't sign with teams like Philly, who was an option Seattle, who was an option, all of whom were going to pay him more money than the Giants were willing to. But it makes sense that he saw a better chance to get more playing time in New York. And obviously the first couple games, the Giants, I think, were trying to ease him into things. They said that on paper or, or, or on record, excuse me. And now he's getting these opportunities and he's looking good. And the O-line, I don't know if it is Matt Per. I Like you said, I got to look at this more carefully too. Because to be honest with you, I'm like, our line is garbage one way or the other. I don't even, I, I'm not even looking to see if Thomas is in at the time. But I'm excited about Matt Pert. Credit to him. Credit to UConn. Uh, he came in on what, the fifth round? I think we got him in. It was definitely late, yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do. Devontae Freeman is doing great things for us uh, this year. He's giving the running game an energy that we haven't seen in a minute and especially without Barkley being there and I think Devontae Freeman if he's able to keep it up if he's able to get better he may have a spot on the Giants come next year behind hopefully a healthy Saquon Barkley and again I'll say this Daniel Jones made some mistakes as he's been doing every week but the thing I love about Daniel Jones is you can see in the way he extends plays and this energy he has that 50-yard run, I think it was 49 to be exact, the 49-yard run where he fooled the cameraman. I, I think he acknowledges that he has a, for the most part, after I'm done talking about Devontae Freeman, a tough running game, a bad offensive line, and his receiving core doesn't exist. And he's like, well, better find ways to do this myself. And that was, in my opinion, the most exciting play of that game. So, yeah, it's like I said, it was the longest running play from scrimmage the Giants have had this year. We'll talk about this week in and week out. The Giants are a bad team. The Giants aren't destined for anything great this year, next year, probably the year after that. But, you know, when you're that junkie, you got to find things to look at, things you can hopefully try to build on as a team. Those are a few of them. Um the Giants play the Eagles. Dennis, I don't know if you want to go straight into that or if you want to talk. No, we can't. It's a it's the next logical step. Well, here, let, let's do this, and I want your opinion on this quick as we go into this. Giants play the Eagles Thursday night uh, in Philly, a game that I think is very winnable for the Giants, a game that I think we ultimately lose. 
in a in a good effort in a close game. But like I mentioned, the Giants win, they could have a share of first place in a garbage division. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I mean, look, I'm to the point where some of this is based on because I am falling deeper and deeper in a hole here in our pick'em. This is a winnable game for the Giants. And you mentioned the very key injuries that Philly is dealing with. Now, I think Carson Wentz has built a little bit of a rapport with his receivers, at least, that he has. Boston Scott apparently is going to be the starting running back. He's not an awful option to have. Uh, I think, but Philly's defense, I think, is just atrocious. The way that they have started games gives me hope that maybe the Giants can come out real quick, punch them in the mouth, kind of like they did Dallas, but let's use some of this momentum that we've built here with a first win and not just give it back to them in 10 minutes like they did against the Cowboys. I want to take the Giants because I believe riding this little bit of a high that they have on just three days going into Thursday from a win that they'll be ready. And the Giants, at least from a health perspective, they're not doing too poorly. I don't know if Shepard will play. At very worst, maybe he's a decoy. But he went down and his foot looked even worse. And that was not the first time he had limped. His touchdown catch, he got up limping afterwards. A couple of catches that he made in the open field limping afterwards. And then, of course, the one that got him carried off, well, not carried, but helped off, was rolled up. He did come back in and play. He was on the field, though, after that play. So I think, and the way, you know, another couple of days of practice for Freeman, you start creating some other plays for him. I think the Giants can win this football game. I don't want to pick the Giants because if I pick the Giants, they're probably going to lose by like 25 points because this will be another typical Thursday night, which we've seen many, many times where the Eagles just, oh, look at this Eagles team. All right. This abysmal NFC East. The Eagles are now going to be the favorite because apparently Dallas can't win without Dak Prescott. Although that's definitely the reason. It's definitely Andy Dalton's fault for letting Kyler Murray do whatever the hell he wanted last night on Monday Night Football. Also Dalton's fault for their top tier running back, Ezekiel Elliott, to fumble not once, but twice. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely Dalton's fault. Get the hell out of here. So everyone's pick like, I guess you put money on the Eagles. I wouldn't put much money, maybe a dollar. But if the Giants win Thursday night, is it incredible? impossible to think that this team now is leading the division all of a sudden every giant fan is right back in like all right we were tanking for trevor we wanted some positive results we wanted a better draft pick to secure the future screw it let's go win seven games and win this division i guess i think that'll be the thinking i it has to be i'm taking the i'm taking the giants for that reason Devontae Freeman could be the running back on a first-place team again. I don't yeah. think he would have thought that was going to happen. Um, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking the Giants. I'm taking the Giants because, look, at least they showed me fight. There's a lot of bad things they showed me. I'm still not reneging on anything that I said 15, 20 minutes ago. There are a lot of negatives with this football team and a lot of things that bother me. But I just think, what are the Eagles building on coming into Thursday night? better second half performance against one of the best teams in the AFC. We almost won. We lost our running back and our tight end in the process. What are the Giants coming out? We got a win. We're looking better. We're showing some fight. We might be gaining people back, not losing them. So I'm taking the Giants. That's all good points. And unfortunately, I have to disagree with you. And I have to go. And you'll probably be right. I have to go against uh, my team here and 
Um, this is not just on this. This is built. This prediction is built on years of heartbreak, and we just can't beat the Eagles. The Eagles could, especially be, on Thursday night, we've seen Eagles just some atrocious performances. They could be zero and fifteen. No, in any primetime game, the Giants can't beat the Eagles. Giants can't beat the Eagles. Could be zero and fifteen, or excuse me, zero and fourteen. And two games are against the Giants. They would win both of them. The Giants, for some reason, cannot beat the Eagles since Plexico Burris had that uh, end zone catch to win the game. We cannot beat them. Uh, good times. Um, I will say this though: if the time is going to happen, it may be Thursday because the Eagles are depleted. Even when they were healthy, they weren't good. And you can make the case that they came back in the second half and, and did a darn good job against Baltimore. But now two of their best, if not the best, offensive weapons they have will not be in the game. And, and limited fans in the stands, too. So the Philadelphia home field advantage is all but gone. Uh, so if the Giants are going to do it, I think this is it. But, well, I don't know. Did you see some of those videos? There were fights at the. Oh, yeah, I saw one of them where a guy just climbed down like five, like rows of stairs and. Yeah, there was another one where fans, the fan had pigeons, gathering around him. Like it, they're just. Yeah. Why no, do we let you do things? That's the land of make believe yeah. on there, uh, and um, no, I, I I do think the Eagles win just because I'm enjoying this win, but I'm also trying to stick to planet Earth here. Um, I do think the Eagles win, but I'm going to be rooting damn hard for the Giants to do it because I don't care if the entire Philadelphia Eagles team is injured. If the Giants win, I'm going to rub it in all their faces. So um, can you imagine the New York Giants with two wins being in first place? I will be in Nashville that night watching. I'll be bringing my Giants jersey with me. Their soccer team's playing right now. Fun fact, congrats. I didn't know you clinched a playoff spot, apparently. That is – Oh, Orlando City? Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. First time in all my years of oh. having season tickets. I just noticed because apparently Nashville SC and FC Dallas yep. are playing each other on FS1. I thought that's where the World Series game was. Apparently it's on Fox. Oh, so, no. see, I will continue the trend of not watching a single pitch of playoff baseball after the Yankees' departure. Let me, I tried. Thank you for reminding me to put the soccer game on. Dennis, But uh, let's. I, I think before we put a bow on this, and, and you went into it a little bit. I think we would be remiss to not just laugh slightly at the Dallas Cowboys for that game against Arizona. This division is historically the most consistently bad division I think football has ever seen. And very briefly, and I mentioned this before the show, we'll end it on this. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on something I saw. The Miami Dolphins as of uh, early afternoon, late morning today, announced that Tua, uh, Tua would be their starting quarterback in place of Ryan Fitzpatrick, the journeyman who's played for uh, every uh, sports team under the sun. Um, the Miami Dolphins were not in first. Uh, they were in no means the best team in the NFL or in their division, but they were having a solid year. They've been consistently improving year after year. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been winning them games and they throw two in at the end of their uh, last game against the Jets and they are going to be starting him this weekend. That brought some flashbacks to way back when Eli Manning started, which I didn't think of myself until Kurt Warner had tweeted it. 
But he was like, you know, when I was the Giants kind of filling quarterback, I knew I wasn't their future answer, but I stepped in as starter. I got the Giants in a good position, a position where they were a, a playoff spot was reasonable, and they took me out and they placed Eli Manning in, who was obviously the future, but so many unknowns surrounding him. And he's like, I was ticked off, but I understood it. I was a good sport. A bunch of New York writers chimed in saying the same thing, but they couldn't blame him for being mad at that move, but he handled it on the field, off the field, and the inter- the press conferences with class. So it's interesting to kind of see the comparison between those two situations. I was curious what your thoughts were on that. Uh, yeah, look, I would be excited if I was a Dolphins fan. Because, yes, the tank for Trevor is cute and fun. I've been doing it. Well, we are not long removed from tank for Tua. So he was the guy before his devastating injury, which also, I don't know if you saw the picture of Tua after the game, still in his full pads, sitting on like the 15-yard line, just sitting there by himself, nobody in the stands, nobody on the field. Because he's a year and a month or so, or he got hurt in November. It might be like 11 months close to the date of his gruesome, devastating injury last year against Mississippi State or Ole Miss. It was one of them. It was one of the Mississippis where they were asking the questions, is he ever going to be able to play again? Is What's his draft stock? What's going to happen to Alabama? All these unanswered questions. Well, Mac Jones came in and they still made the college football playoff. And now he's a Heisman contender. Tua gets drafted in the top 10. And seven weeks into the season, he's a starting quarterback on the NFL team. So, Win, 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 win. But uh, the move, I don't get it. I don't understand it. There's nothing wrong with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Look at this from a fantasy perspective. Ryan Fitzpatrick's been really good, like 20-plus points every week in you know standard scoring for a quarterback. And he's a good game manager, good quarterback. He spreads the ball around. He doesn't really make mistakes. He doesn't do stupid things. He's a guy that can extend plays with his feet and kind of move around the pocket. He can – cheat up and run if he has to, if guys are covered downfield. So I don't really understand the move because it's like you were saying, the Dolphins are sitting at 500. I think they're three and three right now after their win against the Jets, which, I mean, good God, New York. I mean, we're not, I mean, we don't have to talk about you much, but I mean, good Lord, put in any effort. Look, stupid on my opinion, uh, my part too. I woke up Sunday, woke up late, thought all my fantasy teams were fixed. My work league picked up Joe Burrow because Russell Wilson's on a bye. Forgot to play Joe Burrow. Didn't check till just before the four o'clock kicks. Realized I had no quarterback in. Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Flacco. I'm like, come on, Joe Flacco gets some garbage time points. What if Garoppolo gets benched? Dumb on me. I still won, luckily, because I had Julio Jones and Justin Jefferson, so I didn't need him. But, gee, I mean, five points, Joe Flacco? Look, Jets, you know, whatever. We don't have to talk about you. I'm just saying. Another just abysmal performance. Matt, you said it well, year, week after week after week. If there's a worse team than the Giants, it's the Jets. The reason the Giants won't get Trevor Lawrence, it's because of the Jets. I mean, if you needed any more evidence after what we saw Sunday, my goodness, they couldn't get anything going. And just when you thought they would, interception, fumble, whatever. I digress. That's, um, that's what I've always said to the Trevor Lawrence debate. Like, you're like, oh, that's why we got to tank. That's what I got to tank. I'm like, Dennis, I don't even know if you tank as hard as you possibly can. I don't know if you can even be as half of as bad as the Jets. The Jets are historically terrible. Like, I don't – that's what I'm saying. I don't think even if the Giants tried their damnedest <laughs> to be the worst team in the league, I don't even know 
if they would get remotely close to how bad the look Jets. if the Giants didn't win this past Sunday if they lost like they were probably supposed to I would be really worried that even if we were still winless the Jets are the worst team because it just it showed that that is a division rival there's not a sellout crowd there you're not going against anyone you're going against Ryan Fitzpatrick the, their defense is subpar and it just looked like it, it looked like it was peewee football versus high school football. That's the greatest, like, I just, it's unbelievable what's going on. That, yeah. I mean, the look, Jets may very couldn't well happen to a nicer franchise, but the hey. Jets may very well finish the season with a record of like negative two and 16. Like, it's like if the Jets lost, but the Jets weren't even playing today. Yo, they still lost. They're just going to get a loss on their bye week. But anyway, yeah, they'll, they'll be half asleep. It'll be like two in the morning and. Jets lost uh, to themselves uh, overnight. It's a very sad situation. <laughs> Back to the Dolphins. Uh, I just don't get it. I, I mean, obviously, we're not smart enough, and the, the people who run the ship in Miami have seen something from Tua. In the practices, week to week, he's obviously shown improvement. He's obviously shown he's got a handle on the offense. They're going into a bye this week. They're not playing. So he won't play until week eight. So it's just going to be another week of reps, another week of practice. I don't understand why do it now. I thought maybe if things got worse, say the Dolphins are out of the playoff picture, then you put them in. I mean, it, it almost begs the question, well, why didn't the Kansas City Chiefs do this? They could have benched Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes could have came in. But instead, they had wrapped up a playoff spot. Patrick Mahomes comes in for like the final two games or whatever. And then obviously we know what happens after that. Dennis. So I, I don't understand the move now, but clearly he's showing that he can run things and there shouldn't be any issues. Because if you go out there and you play him, and he sucks. Oh, Nelly. And I tend to agree with you and we got to put a bow on this because we're running out of time. But I, but I would say this, uh, you know how high and mighty I've been in the Buffalo Bills team in that same division they ran into my opinion the best team in the league which has the best quarterback in the league in my opinion but oh look they also have the best running game in the league what a shocker and now they've added Le'Veon bell to the best running game in the league so that tells me can't see chiefs are running at all but that having been said the buffalo bills ran into who are still in my opinion the best team in the afc east but ran into a team that is just flat out better than them and i don't think the bills expected that running game onslaught but now that the Bills have a loss, now that the Dolphins have their last win, granted against the Jets, maybe it is that the Jets smell blood in the water and they sense that Tua could be that last spark that they need to kind of get them neck and neck with Buffalo. I don't maybe. necessarily believe that, but that could be that could be part of their thought process. Perhaps. Time will tell. All right. Yes. Uh, well, Dennis, next time I talk to you, we are, uh, we typically have an episode out late Thursday night, early Friday, obviously. And we said when we were going to the two uh, episode a week format, this would depend on obviously what the Monday night game was. If there were any Thursday night games that were meaningful to the topics on the show. And as luck would have it, there is one where the giants one and five will take on the Philadelphia Eagles of one, four and one. No, one, three, one. Uh -huh. Yeah, one, four, and one, um, and that'll happen Thursday night. So we are going to delay the second episode this week. 
to uh, probably a late Friday night, Saturday uh, release. I thought uh, we were delaying because we wanted to watch uh, that great presidential debate. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> and then join Matt and Dennis when we, uh, it's actually becoming just a political show because I, these are the two people you want uh, to hear talking about that. I know a lot of things about politics. <laughs> Pelosi. Go vote. George Bush, George Washington, go vote. Um, yeah, but we'll have uh, episode two this week probably coming out either late Friday or Saturday where I will be broadcasting from uh, Graceland, good old Memphis. George Texas. Washington, George Bush, those are the two names that come to mind. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to stir the pot in today's political climate, so I just decided I would go farther as back. George, as George Bush said, "Fool me once, can't as, get fooled again." As George Bush would say, or George Washington would say, "Ballin." <laughs> would he say that? Avon probably would have said that from our. <laughs> hey, TJ, pass the rock. Ballin. Get it, Thomas right. Jefferson. TJ? Never say that. Right. Uh, yeah, never saying that again. Dennis, any last thoughts tonight? no all right as always thank you so much for listening we will talk to you again this weekend enjoy giants eagles next time we talk to you if the giants are in first place who knows that'll say he told you so yes i will and that 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 could be interesting i'll talk to you in memphis for my good friend dennis fancy my name is matt scarana you've been listening to matt and dennis we will catch you this weekend adios (laughs) 